Hello, 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 everybody. Gosh, here we are. You are just joining us right now. It's the Jan Arden Podcast. I'm here with Caitlin Green, Adam Karsh. Am I, am I saying your last name right, Adam Karsh? That's 100% correct. It is spelled Great. C-H-K-A-R-C-H, but it's, it's pronounced Karsh. And what, what is the, the heritage of that last name? I, I believe it's it's Polish. If you go back a couple generations, and yeah. I think my grandfather, great or great great grandfather, I think it was like Kars, like K A R C Z, and then when they came here, they changed it to Karsh. Names are fascinating. They're it fascinating. Is. My entire life, I've been explaining to everyone. It's spelled C H, pronounced S H. <laughs> I never knew that actually until right now. <laughs> there you go. We're 60 seconds in and we've already learned something. There you go. <laughs> um, and Caitlin Green is green. I believe that is, is the heritage of Greenland, correct? No. It's, yeah, exactly. Well, it's, just, <laughs> it's either, it, green is pretty straightforward. It's either with an E on the end or without it. Uh, yeah, and my, I, we, I think my family name goes back to like Quakers. Like I feel like they, they were Quakers that left Ireland and landed on the shores of somewhere in the Maritimes. And then made their way uh, made their way west from there. So I don't know. I think what is, it, a, what is a Quaker? You know, that's some. That's is I it a religious sect? Should we Google it? We, um, I, if I, I if I wasn't on a Zoom, I would Google it right now. Okay. Well, but, we're not. We'll worry about that for another show. But anyway, that's okay. very interesting. Yeah. I think they were not dissimilar to the Mormons. Okay. So there you go. But I could be completely wrong. People are going to be going. Your show's not even factual. If they were Mormons, then they're disappointed in me. <laughs> well, speaking of Mormons, yeah. <laughs> which, which we're not. Um, so people are talking about how we go forward the next time we have to quarantine, which everybody is pretty much saying, listen, it probably is going to happen. Big wave hits, you know, coronavirus is out there and they want to lock us down for two, three, four weeks again. So now in the Netherlands, formerly known as Holland, for you folks that want to know what we're talking about, the, the government in the Netherlands are saying, listen, this time we're locked down, you need a sex buddy. Yes. So everybody, you know, grab a sex buddy <laughs> and then you're locked down with them, you know, for the four weeks you guys can make panakuken and, you know, have, have coffee that you can stand a spoon up in and <laughs> biscuits and you can have sex with someone in quarantine. Thoughts? I- I think that there, this is quite practical, but it's also a very, um, it, it seems like a, how very Amsterdam of them to mm-hmm. have suggested this. Um, it's funny. I was in Amsterdam last summer on holiday and they're as progressive as a society could possibly come. So I'm not surprised the government's saying this. I feel like it makes sense. Um, I don't know if you'd, maybe you'd have to do a bubble where like you and your sex partner are, you can still each stay at your own place. You don't have to be together for the full time, but you know that you're not seeing like anybody else. Maybe that's what they're suggesting. Like my friends who are single, gotta say, a lot of them have had to find an arrangement of some sort because you just can't possibly go. I mean, not like you can't, but it's hard when you're interested in dating and you find someone you like, how do you just not see them for two months? Like it's, it's tough. Well, we've, we've, we've talked about this before that, you know, the, the, uh, the apps, the dating apps have gone forward to some capacity of people having conversations, people still swiping and people absolutely still hooking up because I talked to a friend of mine that said, oh yeah, there's absolutely hookups going on. Tons. So 
I, I guess people are willing to waive. I mean, if there was ever a way of contracting a, a, a virus that depends <laughs> on moisture, as our prime <laughs> minister would say, um, being in close proximity of a human being, breathing in their air and touching surfaces. I would yep. think that the act of sex of any description, be it oral, doesn't have to be intercourse. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening <laughs> Jan Arden Sex Show. Oh, it reminds me of, remember Sex with Sue? Yes. She was <laughs> great. Remember, she was great. I remembered her. She would always talk about oral sex in a very, very matter-of-fact way, and this just gave me a big Sex with Sue throwback. She came to my school. I remember yeah. Yep. Oh, I bet you remember, Adam. <laughs> well, I mean, it seems like the, the most prominent sex therapists, the voices of our generations, were Dr. Ruth Westheimer, who is a four-foot-nothing um, <laughs> uh, Jewish woman who survived the Holocaust, who spoke very candidly about sex and sexuality. She didn't pull any punches. And like you said, uh, you know, Sue, Dr. Sue, who yeah. we all watched. I remember watching her on a black and white television at my parents' house in the 80s. Oh my God, I used to get such a kick out of her. She was so matter of fact. And you're right, Adam, she would do the university rounds. So she was paid to come and appear at a lot of frosh weeks, the first week of university. And the idea was that they knew all these university students are out of their mom and dad's house. And they're at obviously greater risk of um, having some unsafe sex. So they would bring out sex with Sue and she'd do all these speaking tours. And I wonder how she would probably be in favor of the, the, the uh, Dutch sex buddies. I don't know. I think she would like it. Well, I mean, people are misinformed about sex and sexuality. There's absolutely no doubt there. I remember right after we graduated, four, uh, three of my girlfriends, we went to Oahu. I think we spent like $500 on a flight and hotel for like eight days. And one of my girlfriends... Uh, it was all innocent enough. We went to, you know, this dance. We had blue drinks, blue Hawaii's. And anyway, this f young fellow ended up, you know, being quite excited. Nothing happened. They didn't have intercourse. I don't even think anyone was nude, but he had uh, an erection. <laughs> and apparently, you know, my friend felt that, you know, his pants touched her leg you know, and it was, you know, everyone was embarrassed. Yeah. He was, there was, there was so much um, embarrassment and lack of knowledge going on. Anyway, the next day, the four of us knuckleheads, 18 years old, we were from Springbank, Alberta, went and got a pregnancy test. Oh my from God. From the drugstore. <laughs> so we were, she was scared. We were all like, well, huh, do you think it could have gotten anywhere? I mean, <laughs> when we still laugh so hard at that oh experience gosh. and just how awkward and how the fear but you know what here we are lack of education no one telling us anything um and the poor guy you know who <laughs> liked my friend so much that just literally couldn't control himself kids now not kids but like younger people now you just swipe through your phone you just swipe through all the x-rated photos on your phone and decide who you want to see in real life and it's 
so like that's a big I'm like what a nice throwback cozy story you have because I feel like there's been a- well they, they can get any information they want now <laughs> you know you you can punch in if guy has you know blah 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 and it's on my <laughs> pants can I get pregnant and the Google search would come up with probably a hundred things here's yep. what here's what we found yeah um, it would be no no and no uh, that's money we could have spent on tacos but um, <laughs> Anyway, obviously it was negative, but I do think of those naive times and were they better times? Like what, what, what's your opinion on that, Caitlin? Like when you think about growing up in high school, like let's set all the COVID stuff aside for a second, but just, do you think it's easier for kids growing up now or do you think you had it easier? Oh, I had it so much easier. I was like the last chunk of, of kids, I think, that went to school and we didn't have social media on our phones. We didn't have high quality cameras on our phones. So every mistake you made, every embarrassing outfit you wore, every time you were drunk at a party, it wasn't documented on a thousand people's phones posted on social media. And then it's out there beyond your control. Like, and like kids in my high school, like, I mean, they were vicious. Like we had, I remember when chat boards became a thing where people could post like a chat topic and then it would turn into like a thread that everybody could comment on. So would, that, be- but it, would that have been MySpace more or less? What, what, what like, was the platforms? It wasn't a known platform. Like I okay. felt like there were so many of these things that were just floating around and somebody would just share a link to one and everybody would start posting just the meanest rumors and horrible gossip about everybody at our school. They had to have like a whole school meeting, like people going in with the principal because of all these rumors that were starting. Like the poor teachers, like their heads were just on like a swivel. They just didn't have any idea what to do. And we weren't even dealing with the same level of technology in the palm of our hands by any means that kids today are now. So I look back on that and think, I'm happy I made it out when we still mostly took photos with a disposable camera. Like, yeah, I think it's a lot easier. I, you know, I think every generation faces a completely new and unique set of obstacles and challenges. Um, you know, I was working out this morning. Trust me, it's nothing to write home about. There's, I'm not going to show you videos of <laughs> me picking up a cattle bell or whatever those are called and yeah. balancing on two toes. But anyway, I, um, I was looking at this history show about a siege of, um, it was, you know, religious problems, uh, uh, Christians and, and Muslims, uh, somewhere in Israel, 13th century. And the way they fought this bloody war around this one castle for two and a half years. And I was thinking about that, interjecting that scenario in where we are today, when we see the unrest in different countries, when we see people on very opposite sides of the fence. Comparatively, I know it's very hard to look at something 800 years apart, but I think we are a much better people. I think we are much more diplomatic, Caitlin, than than literally people fighting and being so brutal to each other for two and a half years around a castle. Yeah, I think it's gotten a lot better. And sometimes it is interesting to look back at those really difficult moments and say, this lasted for two years around a dang castle. So now when you look at the scenario we're in, we've come a long way uh, and we can get through it. And you kind of, not that you need those bad moments, but maybe you do. Maybe you have to look back on tough times and say, we made it through that. We'll make it through this and we'll learn a lot more about ourselves in the process. Hey everybody, welcome back. Jan Arden podcast is what you're listening to. And we've just been talking about, you know, every generation facing their own unique challenges. And Adam, on the break, you were just talking about, thank God, 
that when you were growing up, um, that there wasn't smartphones. There wasn't that kind of immediacy. And Caitlin touched on that. Like, thank God there wasn't pictures of you barfing in a garbage can (laughs) that that would be permanently on the internet for your kids to look up. Hey, how did you get that footage? (laughs) 25 years later. But I mean, that's, that's the reality of it, right? Yeah. That what kids are doing now, their children are going to have access to. Oh, it stresses me out. I thank God that Back in my day, you know, high school, even university, no smartphones, no social media, like, and believe me, I'm all for tech, I'm all for social media, I'm all for high quality cameras on smartphones, I'm all for that now, but I'm responsible and I know how to deal with it and manage it and use it. But back in the day, I did stupid things, I don't want documented proof of that, I don't want anything to end up online, I don't, I'm glad there was nothing for me to post online stupidly that I would regret later. So I'm very, very happy that that was not part of my existence back in the day. Thank God. So hypothetically, your daughters, you know, you know, let's say that they could look up things that dad, mom and dad did. <laughs> um, how would you feel about them having access to those kinds of, I mean, and I can't imagine you doing anything that bad, Adam. No, I'm a pretty good boy. And, and even then, like, I, I'll even say this. So I joined Facebook in, in 2007. And I was, I, I think also because I had a much smaller network of friends and it was just my close buddies. You I had was, no kids yet? No kids. And it was a new platform for, for all of us. And I was pretty liberal, liberal about what I shared or posted. Nothing, not nothing untoward by any means, but I was fairly liberal. And then I remember a few years ago, I went through my feed, my comments, my pictures, and I cleaned up a whole bunch of stuff because I'm like, ah, I don't want that out there. Uh, that was a stupid comment. Uh, that could be taken the wrong way. Yeah. Uh, that looks sarc- I was trying to be funny. Um, it comes across as sarcastic. And, and if you know me, then you would see the humor in it. But if you don't, and somebody just read, and I'm very sensitive. So it's like, oh, I don't want someone <laughs> to read into that, that I meant that that way, because I didn't. So I just <laughs> took down everything that was questionable. Have you taken down stuff, Caitlin? So much. Oh, my gosh. I did, <laughs> I did. Hey, hey, think about your answer for a second. Really? Because uh, honest, same exact thing, Adam, where I was just, I just thought to myself, I was younger, I've changed. And also I think I've become more educated about privacy. I've become more educated about how a lot of these social media companies use your images and your content, how they mine your data. And I just thought, eh, I'm going to pull a bunch of this off. And also like, I, I mean, I, I do, I work on a morning show in Toronto. So to a degree, people kind of know who you are sometimes if they listen to the show. So I just wanted to clean some of that up. Look at nothing is worse than when you watch somebody like even, even like Camilla Cabello, I think she's had, her name dragged through um, this process before because she posted really insensitive, crappy tweets when she was younger. And she prob- like that's probably not a reflection of who she is today at all. Um, she was just guilty of being young and dumb like the rest of us, but she had access to social media. And that is why now, like Adam, you must think about this with your girls. Like it's a full education. Like you have to educate them like anything, like history or geography about technology, how to use it, and the far-reaching things that can happen to you in a bad way if you put too much of yourself out there. 
we talk, my oldest daughter, we, we do talk about how it's so important uh, what you what you post and what you share and, and that once it's out there, it's out there and somebody can take it and do what they want with it. They can misconstrue it. They can, oh, it's, it's, it's so scary. I mean, they're not well, have, really on social media. but Having said all that, though, you guys, you know, here's the three of us saying, oh, my gosh, absolutely have said st- stupid things, absolutely have had different political affiliations, have absolutely said things that, you know, could be misconstrued as, you know, c- kind of um, a little bit racist or uh, a very distasteful or mean-spirited. Having said all those things... Would it not behoove us all to be kinder to each other and to be able to look at people that do say things and go, oh, I did that too. But no one ever, ever steps back and goes, I did that as well. I spoke out of turn. That's what I don't get about how we treat each other. Yeah. Like suddenly, you know, people that throw these opinions out, and we've talked about cancel culture before, are, are so ready to say, oh, I can't believe he said that, when they know full well if their, if, if, if their information was put on a table like a buffet and, and sifted through, you would mm-hmm. see dozens, if not hundreds, of misspoken things, misspoken actions. Uh, so that's what I don't get. Yeah, it's, you know, and I, I don't know if you guys caught any of this, but um, it was an interview that made the rounds. There is a really like a kind of currently infamous food writer who's very talented. Her name's Alison Roman. She's got two excellent cookbooks out. And she uh, made some comments that could be seen as disparaging, but they were very much just her opinion about Chrissy Teigen and Chrissy Teigen's cooking brand and whatever. Anyways, Chrissy Teigen winds up tweeting her response directly to Alison Roman, saying she was really hurt because she was a fan of Alison's. And she felt like the remarks that Allison made about her branding and the direction of her career were kind of careless and thoughtless. Anyways, everyone piles on. And now not only Chrissy Teigen, but Allison Roman, both of them are professionally like kind of paying the price. Like I think Allison Roman, her, her connection to the New York Times has been walked back in some way. Uh, Chrissy Teigen gets a bunch of hate lobbed at her online. And again, it's totally because I don't, I feel like there isn't any wiggle room right now for people to simply just say, I messed up. I said the wrong thing. I apologize. Can you give me a second chance? Um, it's, it's harder than ever because there's so much evidence of everything you do online on people's phones. And I don't think people saw that much of what any of us said or thought until the last, you know, five, 10 years. Like who even, I would never have known what Chrissy Teigen thought about anything if it wasn't for Twitter, it wasn't for these platforms. Well, I think even having this platform, like what we're all listening to here today, the podcast, um, is that we do need to be more forgiving. This is not new messaging. This is not a new revelation. So to all of us listening right now, I think there, was, there has never been a better time to take a step back, count to at least five 1,000 guys. And just before you pass any judgment, do what you would expect people to do for you, which is give you a bit of a break. Um, we've got some fun stuff coming up, so stay with us. You're listening to the Jan Arden Podcast. I'm with Adam and Caitlin, and we're going to come back right after this. Caitlin is speaking to us now. She's uh, in her condominium in Toronto. Yep. Adam yep. is in his basement office in Toronto. I am in Springbank, Alberta. 
And through the magic of technology, we're all in the Zoom room recording this podcast for your listening enjoyment. I've heard lots of great stories from you wonderful listeners about taking us with you on your walks, uh, taking us with you when you lie down at night before you go to sleep, taking us with you on drives in your car, taking us with you on, you know, just sitting in a chair and and looking out onto the street to see what's going on. So we thank you, all of our team at the Jan Arden Podcast, and we hope that, you know, these last 10 weeks especially have provided you with a bit of of laughter and a little bit of information and a little bit of gossip, and hopefully that you feel connected, um, that we're all having a very, very shared experience. So we thank you very much for listening. Okay, what the hell do you guys have in your fridges? Because <laughs> you know you bought some weird stuff when lockdown began. Yes. And, it, and it might still be there. And this is the thing. Like, what, <laughs> did we all, what did we all buy? And my weird thing that I really stockpiled on at the time and that I haven't consumed and I honestly don't know that I'll ever consume. I'm scared. Canned, it's canned beans and like marinated, marinated like artichokes and stuff. And like I'll find some way to use them. But like. I bought an inordinate amount of like bees, like Heinz vegetarian beans. And we are looking for a sponsor. We are, we are. And like I stockpiled on canned goods and canned beans. I don't know what I thought was going to happen. If this was going to be like an apocalypse, but I just, I freaked out like everybody else. I have like a bunch the of beans, beans were annihilated. The beans, the lentils, the dried lentils, yeah. the legumes of any kind. Uh, the, the only thing product. left standing was uh, vegan cheese, was the entire <laughs> section of vegan cheese. Okay, those are artichoke hearts. I love those. Like, I would have eaten those I on know. day three. Um, very good on pizzas. Very good <gasps> yeah. uh, in a stew. Very Oh, artichokes are fantastic. Yeah. And so, like, you know, and now I'm looking at my fridge and I'm thinking – it's a lot of, yeah, it's a lot of pickled, like my pickled section of my fridge is stuck. Well, you were thinking what's going to stay uh, kind of like anything fermented. If, if yeah. my husband and I are in the condo for, you know, the next five years, we will have sauerkraut forever. Yep. That's the plan. So I, I think, oh, and like, look at how much baking did I think I was going to do? Look at all this butter. Like how much butter did I think I was going to need? Well, you can never, I mean, you, people will go through that. That's a staple. I'll tell you yeah. right now, if you had one child, if you and your husband had a child, yeah. that butter would be gone in a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that's true. I think the way your pantry looks as opposed to, let's say, Adam, I'm going to go to you because you have two girls and uh, they're under the age of 10 and you have a wife that, you know, probably has different culinary tastes than you. So what do you, what do you have? So my wife is the baker and I'm the cook, okay? okay. Just in terms of oh. takes care of what. We have, and, and again, two girls at home. It's, we're making every single meal. So it's three meals a day times four. We are going And snacks. And almost oh, snacks. snacks. So right. much chips. Like the girls <laughs> eat healthy too, but tons of chips and tons of granola bars. Like tons. Can't keep them in stock. A ton Ooh. of milk. A ton of eggs. Tons of eggs. We go through like three dozen, almost three dozen eggs a week. <laughs> so four too. of you, so 36 eggs for four. That's not terrible because like you said, your, your wife is baking. Right. Baking involves a lot of eggs. Totally. I don't use any eggs because I'm vegan. So I just replace eggs with um, like a flax egg. But right. you can't eat a hard-boiled cup of flax. <laughs> no. <laughs> and just... Yeah, flour. So, so I, I've typically been buying like you know like whatever the three kilogram bag of flour. 
Because again, we're, my wife is baking up a storm now. And flowers <laughs> back now, Adam. Flowers back on the shelves. It's totally we've, back. Yeah, we've seen that uh, replenish itself. But there was probably six weeks where people were dealing very clandestine-like in back alleyways, exchanging Tupperware vats of wow. flour. I'll give you flour <laughs> if you give me yeast. Yeah. <laughs> If you've just joined us, that did not sound good. <laughs> uh, consider me. No, I'm not even going to go there. Um, so, yeah, it, it's everyone's so different. I think much like you, Caitlin, I, I bought beans. I mean, obviously, I don't buy any meat, so that was never a concern for me, um, is buying any kind of animal protein stuff in that regard. But I did, uh, you know, but vegans, you know, we want to get our protein from somewhere. So, yeah, I was buying... Uh, you know, a lot of like soy stuff and satans and, you know, vegan sausages and all that kinds of stuff. But I found it super easy because no one touched it. (laughs) No one was really going there. So I think, um, yeah, it's it's been interesting. Uh, Cereal, I bought quite a bit of cereal. Yeah. Uh, There's like six boxes in my pantry now that I'm going, I'm not going to eat a bowl of cereal every day. It's not something that I readily use a lot of, but I bought it because it was there. Yeah. And I think that I fully into, I, my brain went to like all the time, my brain just goes to like worst case scenario. So I just imagined a situation where grocery stores are closed for a month and I'm living off of like, I had no idea what was going to happen. So I just started every time Nobody I went, did. No. And like, I just, I freaked out and I, I verge a little bit on what do you call it, The people who are like addicted to like preparedness like the the doomsday preparedness people. I think we I, can just go with that. I think we can go yeah. with you're a doomsday preparedness person. Yeah, and I get a li- I veer a little bit that way. Like if I ever came into a ton of money, I got to say I would definitely probably have like a hideaway in the woods. Like I'd be the kind of person who might think it was smart to get Like underground there. in a caldus uh, uh one of those big like, steel yeah. drums. Like not ruling it out. Like so for me, I'm already a little wired that way. Uh, I get annoyed that I don't have a generator. I think, what if the power went? Like, anyways, all to say, that's a look inside my brain. So that's why I bought all these stupid beans. And now I'm realizing, like, how how many cans of beans do two people need in one small condo in Toronto? Like, my husband thinks I've lost it. Well, I mean, they're handy. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I'm eating a lot of things that I grew up with. That's what I've really found. Uh, nothing fancy. I've certainly cooked myself a couple of nice meals throughout this, but I'm out here by myself with my dog. And, uh, but I've been doing like the beans on toast is something that has been a go-to. I'm sitting here. I'm feeling a bit of blue. I will open a can of beans. Yep. Um, and I'll just make some toast and I'll throw that on there with maybe some mushrooms, mushrooms on toast (gasps) I've been having. That's Um, good. Yeah. There's nothing like, um, literally dicing up some white butt mushrooms with some vegan butter and throwing that on a hunk of bread. Um, so things that have been, you know, super simple beans on a baked potato. I know it kind of gets carby, but you're getting <laughs> like, I've even had like a scoop full of lentils with some, you know, barbecue sauce. I know this sounds God awful, but I was throwing <laughs> that on a potato with salt and pepper and I found it very satisfying. Yeah, so, but you also make like a double layer chocolate peanut butter cake. So I feel like you go back and forth between well, like the potato and then the high end. That was the one time and I've made a banana cream pie. I actually just made another one this morning. Um, but I give it to people. Like I had a guy in my yard coming to 
try and figure out how I can use my mom and dad's old well to water my garden. And so I'll put a piece of pie in a foil and, and, you know, set it on the hood of his truck and let him go take it. So I find that I'm baking cookies, but for other people, like I'm like, Oh, my friend Donna would like these or, um, but food has been, I think, uh, so important during this time. Yeah, and, it has. Yeah, and we've all become very aware of food insecurity. And I have to say, in our country, anyway, Canada, boy, it's been heartwarming to see uh, this community effort, people stepping up to make sure that we all have something to eat. Um, a shout out to my friend uh, J- Julie Van Rosendahl, who is a real foodie in Calgary. She writes for the Globe and Mail. She's very active on the food scene. Boy, she has single-handedly done so much. They've provided thousands and thousands and thousands of school lunches because when the school shut down, many of those kids lost two meals a day yeah. that they really depend on. And to me, wow, what a, I've been kind of had been proud to be a human being to see people step up to think of all the have nots. What about mm-hmm. the people that don't have a freaking choice to buy artichokes and beans or toast or go out and buy flour? They're literally opening a fridge with nothing in it. And we, we all need to be vigilant about making sure that our neighbors have food. And I know that most of us are doing it, but, you know, get out there and check it to make sure your people a few doors down folks have what they need. I'm going to go donate all my beans now. <laughs> well, not a terrible idea if you're not using them. Boy, there's food banks. Yes. Um, that, can, that can absolutely use that. But, yeah, so, so many good things have come out of this. I yeah. think our awareness for me, you guys, I, I, did you not become acutely aware of food waste? I became acutely aware of like any waste. Absolutely. I, I second that wholeheartedly. Um, well, we're going to come back. We'll touch on that. And then we're going to touch on drinking alcohol when we come back. Uh, you're listening to the Jan Arden podcast. Welcome back to the Jan Arden podcast. Uh, just before the break, we were talking about uh, m- me personally, I've become so aware of food waste. And Adam on the break was saying, okay, if it comes to a 99 cent box of mac and cheese, you know, and I have a little bit left on the girls' plates, this is what you were saying, Adam, you'll chuck that out. But let me tell you what you can do with that. Okay, please. And you will rethink this entirely. It's your children, so a little bit of goober's not going to hurt. I don't mind. I eat their goobers all the time. Okay. (laughs) Put it in, put that leftover mac and cheese in a grilled cheese sandwich. Oh, yeah. So you have your bread, you put your cheese in there, whatever, and you put the mac and cheese in that, and then you do a normal grilled cheese sandwich. It is so good. I used to eat that in my college days. Have you never had a grilled mac and cheese sandwich? Never. I've seen it. I've totally seen it on Instagram. Oh, my god! But I would do that in a second. Anyway, yeah, food waste has just been uh, – I'm, I'm ashamed to say that and I compost. And I guess in my mind, I always felt like, oh, I'm composting, I'm composting. So it's not that bad. But, you know, that, that really doesn't solve the problem of buying more than you need. No, it's just about figuring out what to buy, like figuring out how much food you actually need to eat. And uh, it, for me, it's been a process of, you know, trial and failure, because nothing hurts more than throwing away some like perfectly good food, really. And that's what I think that's what spurned the, the banana bread craze really during quarantine is that nobody wants to throw away their bananas. Like why not freeze them and turn them into banana bread? Well, freeze them and put them in a smoothie. And I'll tell you what, another thing that you can freeze too, and people don't know this is spinach. 
if you've got spinach and, and we all look at those little, those, the dates on a bag and we freak out if it's two days, take your bag of spinach. If you're worried about getting close to the, uh, oh, you must consume by this time, chuck it in the freezer. Yes, it's crumbly, but you can throw it in soups. You can throw it in your smoothies. You can, you can chuck it in anything. Same with kale. Same with any of those green, those leafy greens. And I don't know about you, but I've been making soups like old mother Hubbard. You'd think <laughs> I was cooking for a fire hall over here. I do that with all our fruit. There's pretty much no fruit that goes bad in our fridge because if it's starting to look like it's either not going to get eaten or that it's like mm, getting a little, you know, starting to turn, it, it goes in a bag in the freezer and gets repurposed in a smoothie. So we're pretty Good much you. Like no fruit. Yeah. No, none. Zero fruit is wasted. But I think we've all learned from that, Adam. I think we're all learning. Um, and like you said, Caitlin, how much do you buy? How, and, and, and it was trial and failure. When, when this first started, you know, two and a half months ago, the beginning of March, um, you know, all the food people were buying. And then they're like, holy crap, what do we do with this? And so they are, we are learning. And I don't think our relationship with food will ever be the same going forward. We are so much more aware of where it comes from. Who is responsible for getting it picked from a field onto a truck, onto a boat, onto a plane? Um, in, in that regard, I think it has been uh, a very eye-opening um, process for us to see where our food comes from. And, and we'll touch lightly on the, on the meat proteins as well. I think we've all had our eyes opened as to, you know, meat, the fine balance of how it ends up on our table. I mean, you have millions of animals being culled right now because of the slaughterhouses being shut down. I'm not going to dwell yeah. on this because I don't want to be a downer, but it's a shame to see how fragile the system is when you're seeing 4 million chickens last week that are being buried in mass graves or ground up, uh, millions of pigs, millions of cows, because there's no place to process them. Anyway... Well, and you talk about, really though, you're talking about another version of waste, right? Yes. So it's another yeah. version of waste. But there's it's souls the involved with this kind of waste. It's not yep. any kind of food waste. I mean, these are, these are sentient beings that deserve much better treatment by us. If we're going to eat them, um, it, it just shouldn't. And a lot of people are finding out, you know, we don't need to eat that much meat. We don't need to have it six days a week. But watching that unfold this last month, guys, for me has been really heartbreaking um yeah. to see those animals that didn't have great lives to begin with and that's how it's ended anyhow moving on uh <laughs> we've talked a little bit about alcohol consumption during this period how how do you guys feel like you've done in casual drinking and has your habits changed caitlin's laughing are you drinking more alcohol so much more alcohol and like but not just like, I don't even know that it's necessarily quantity so much as it is the time and the care that I'm putting into, you know, researching cocktails and buying cocktail accoutrement, like buying real maraschino cherries because I all of a sudden like old fashions, like buying a cocktail shaker so that you can like actually make a martini or a margarita. I mean, before this, I felt like I was so busy and my husband was so busy that the majority of alcohol we consumed was out of the house. And now we actually had to make a little makeshift bar in our television <laughs> console, which I'm showing you guys Woo! right now. And look at the top. So see the top, there's a giant jar. I've got a giant jar and then pineapple. And, and what, what is start, that? 
And what we started doing is you cut up pineapple and you put it in the jar and you let it soak with vodka for 14 days. Oh and my you make, Lord. And you make something called a stoli doli. And it's a, it's the name of a famous type of uh, martini from a, a, a restaurant in New York. And you just shake it up and you pour it over ice and it tastes like vacation in the glass. You barely know there's alcohol in it, but it's all alcohol. So it's a bit of a head taker offer. And it's the kind of thing you have for me on a Friday at like 6 p.m. I just can't wait. And it's but it's bad because I I'm building a little bit of a like romantic madman level relationship with cocktail making. Well, you're seeing, uh, you know, celeb food celebrities like Ina Garten, um, you know, making martinis online and showing people how to make one and sipping it. And it's getting 100 million hits of mm. people watching somebody uh, uh, who was it that, that it was a guy, an actor. Okay. Was I was just thinking of him and I also forgot his name. Stanley Tucci. That's Stanley it. Tucci was making, I don't know if it was Manhattans or something, but millions and millions of hits yeah. of, yeah, of, of him making a cocktail. Are you drinking more, Adam? I am totally drinking more. What are you, <laughs> is it wine, beer? What are you doing? I'm a wine, scotch and vodka guy. Not all, not all in the same. No, way. no. <laughs> but like, and, and it's, it's, it's not that I'm like at any point in the day, fall down drunk or blackout drunk. It is not no. that at all. But at two o'clock in the afternoon, when I'm, when I'm working on one of the shows, maybe <laughs> I have a little glass of scotch while I'm putting it together because I can and I'm home and it's stressful sometimes. So yeah. like, I would never do that during the day at the radio station, but I'm home. I'm sitting with a nice glass of wine and I'm putting the Jan Arden podcast together. And if I ever actually do go back into the radio station, I'm putting it in my contract that I need a little mini bar in my seat. <laughs> well, I don't think you're going to get that, but well, you can try, Adam. Um, so do you think across the board, people are dealing with it much the way that you guys are? Do you think, are you talking to your friends, seeing a little bit more alcohol consumption? Like oh, yeah. with everybody. I, I mean, obviously they left liquor stores open this entire time. And rightly so when you're talking about people with actual, um, you know, dependencies and alcohol is a true dependency for anyone that has an alcohol addiction, you can get very sick without it. So I, I think that was very smart of them to do. And the fact that people do need to have some kind of enjoyment, but um, anyone that I've talked to, they figure they're drinking 50% more than they did before going into this. That feels like a lot to me, but is that, yeah. is that, it's, could, it, could, it, could it be more than half of what you normally drink? I'd say it's like at least 30% more. And mostly because again, for me, my hours being as early of a start as I normally have on the morning show I work on, honestly, during the week prior to this, I never touched alcohol until the weekend. Almost never. I'd have a beer at most. Now I just find because work almost never ends because working from home means that you're living in your office. So I will just to offset some of that and to create a little boundary in my mind, I'll say to myself, oh, well, 4 p.m. is cocktail hour. And then I make myself an agroni. It's almost like a little celebration that, you know, hey, the workday's done and now my regular life begins. But I would never would have done that before. Are you drinking every day? Uh, no, there's at least two days a week where I won't drink. Okay, but well, then that's, but you're making a, are you making a, conscience, a conscious effort to go, I'm not drinking today? No, I think two days a week, I genuinely don't feel like it. 
And okay. if I, if I want something, I like the effervescence of a beer and I'll have just soda water instead. I'm usually just, I, I don't feel like it, but it used to be that two days a week I would drink and five days a week I wouldn't. And now it's the reverse. It's five days a week I drink and two days a week I wouldn't. And like Adam, I'm not ever getting intoxicated to the point of, you know, falling down drunk at home or anything, but I love how you guys are reconciling this saying, listen, I'm not falling down. I'm not blacking <laughs> out. I'm not driving the car. Like all these caveats that you're putting in to go, you know, this is how I can, I, I can, you know, reconcile drinking what I'm drinking. Yeah. It's true. I, I, I mean, I don't want to paint a picture of me at home like Anna Nicole Smith of like we're rest in peace, but I'm, you know, <laughs> but it's just one of those situations where it is, it is noteworthy. Like it's noteworthy that I'm drinking more. Any Adam? glass of wine that I yeah. have before five o'clock, yeah. I call it grape juice. So I don't feel <laughs> like I have a problem. Well, I mean, I think we need to be easy on ourselves. I feel like people are going to absolutely go back to uh, life as it were. You're just simply not going to have the time. You're going to be driving to work for an hour every day or getting back or parking your car or, you know, in meetings. I think this is a very temporary thing and I hope people are easy on themselves. I, I keep hearing about the, the, the quarantine 15, you know, people putting on weight. And, you know, just as we wrap up the show, I, I hope everyone listening realizes that stuff that you're doing now, you know, whether you're not exercising regularly or you're eating more freaking bread or you're having the extra glass of wine or the beer every night, please be gentle on yourselves. Please don't lie in bed and punish yourselves for new the the newness of whatever the hell this is um i i do you feel the same way caitlin like just be yeah. easy on yourselves if one more if i see one more meme being like you know shakespeare wrote five of his masterpieces oh and give me a break i'm not shakespeare and i'm not going to be so i know my own limits and i'm gonna eat peanut butter and jam sandwiches if i feel like good it. And I feel like I'm like, yeah, well, maybe there's more of me to love and bathing suit season will look a little different this year, but more than ever, just, Hey, feel grateful that you're at home and you're feeling good at all ever, even for an hour of the day and enjoy the martini. I mean, maybe that's enabling behavior, but <laughs> no, be easy on yourself. Stay safe, stay well, stay home when you can. We say adios and toodly do from the Jan Arden podcast. Thanks for listening. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.